You're listening to Something Real with Pastor Rich Zeiger and Stacy Cozio, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Thanks for joining us. That is a great song. Hello. That is a great song. Welcome to your home for 90s Newsboys references. Yeah, that was like... That, that's a, that was a great album. That was a great promotion. They promoted that album super well. They toured with... Uh, did they tour? I think they toured with Audio Journal, but the albums dropped at the same time, mm-hmm. and so uh, we did a we did a uh, an album party oh, nice. uh, at the store uh, that I was running at the time, and uh, those were two of the best CCM rock albums of that period. That was so, like my introduction to Christian like mainstream music because that came out when I was in youth group. Oh, I yeah. think here. Yeah. And we went. They and must Laura have... had the, uh, uh, not Laura. Yeah, Laura, right? How wasn't she doing that? I don't know. She whoever was, it was Tammy Hauk. Is her Tammy, mom. Right. She was like running it with Carol Bradley. Oh, T- Tammy was running the youth group. Yeah. Anyway, I just remember during when I'd go up there for VBS in the youth room, they had all the yeah, 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 yeah. Talk, audio drum well, they, they must have that. played in, it must have been South Bend, because I don't think we would have gone farther than that. The Newsboys and Audio Adrenaline played Everybody a show. Everybody came to South Bend. Well, right. Well, they played a show, and the youth group went, and that was like my first like Christian rock experience. It was really and cool. And at that point, I think they were, Newsboys was already doing the uh, hydraulic drum set, right? That Flipped upside new. down. Yep. I remember that. That was. Uh, it was the future. They, they were the show, man. High energy. That was the thing before they were really fun to listen to. Back in the 80s, they were cool. They were still trying to do like a punk hard rock kind of deal. And uh, they had cool album titles and song titles and stuff. And but I, uh, they did great shows, high energy shows, but hadn't really figured out their sound yet. And then when they got Steve Taylor to produce the albums, they went to they kind of infused some dance mm-hmm. stuff into it. And then uh, that was not a shame. Then with the Going Public album, they really kind of came into their own. That was like, th- those two albums were a huge shift for them. And then the next one, Take Me to Your Leader, was uh, just a whole next level thing. So, And they went on about a six album run of kind of owning the 90s there for a while. Nice. That's- when you and take a break from 90s country, you can turn to 90s DC, Christian. DC Talk was already, mm-hmm. you know, virtually on hiatus, not quite, but... They were huge. They were too huge. You know, they were too cool for school. Close to the sun. And uh, it it got, uh, I mean, it was so big. And now when those guys split up, obviously, Toby Mac is like the biggest there is. You know, you don't get bigger. Um, And I used to say, I don't really say this much anymore because of recent events, but I used to say he was like the Will Smith of Christian uh, entertainment. But And it didn't age well. (laughs) Not not at this point. I haven't seen him slap anybody. Uh, Of the two of them, one has demonstrated more maturity. But um, in any case, uh, Kevin Max, um, after they split up, did his own thing for a while. Kevin Max became lead singer of Audio Adrenaline for a little while, Um. for one album, uh, or one of the lead singers for one album and the lead singer for a tour, I guess. Uh, And then Michael Tate has now been lead singer of Newsboys for longer than he was with DC Talk. Uh, and so it's been just kind of a neat journey to watch, uh, you know. It's a circle of life. Uh, yeah, Kevin Max has kind of deconstructed his faith and kind of, you know, floated off in a different direction. But if you followed DC Talk at all, you knew Kevin was always kind of in a different direction. You know, it was just, he was just a different kind of cat. He was that art rock, prog rock 
kind of kind of mentality, and it showed up. He was, you know, he was a poet, creative type right. guy, and he was always there. And so to see where they're at, and to see what Toby Mac went through in in, if you will, the wilderness that has been his life and losing his son and so on. Um, and he's been pretty open about it. And when, when you're a public figure, you, you your grief is in public. It's just how it works. And so um, it, it's been very interesting to watch. There are no Christians without missteps. I think that's an important thing for us to remember and to recognize is none of us are perfect. And we all go through different struggles and difficulties. We face, you know, countless forms of tribulation, um, very often of our own making, um, but we live in a difficult and troubled world. And so, you know, when Jesus um, said in John, in John 14, take heart, I've overcome the world. Um, 14, 15, it's in that neighborhood. Anyway, uh, when, when he said that, that, that this is our hope. It's not that we're going to not have trouble. I mean, you, you know that you're experiencing all kinds of, of personal, you know, difficulties that you have to face. We all face difficulties. And that's when folks turn away from God because difficulties come, and we see that all the time. I mean, how many people have, have, have you known that have said, well, you know, this happened, and therefore I can't believe in God? Well, whether you believe or not, he is, right. you know? So that that's kind of the the deal that, that we very often forget about is, I, I'm just wondering why that light's not on. Oh. Just, um, <laughs> and so we have darkness. Uh, <clears throat> And maybe it'll come on later and the people in darkness will see a great light. Yeah. But but nonetheless, when, when we're going through stuff, our hope is not that our circumstances will turn around. That That's that's our natural hope. That's the hope that everyone has as a human being. Sure. Our natural hope is that it's going to get better. You know, tomorrow, you know, is, is going to, you know, there's going to be a brighter day, right? People write songs about these things. And so the reality is sometimes it's not. Right. Sometimes the sun does not always come out. Sometimes we don't we don't see our circumstances turn around, you know. And I think that's one of the things that has caused people a lot of faith struggles. Uh, you know the you know the picture of the the war vet who comes back and and got hit by an IED and loses their legs. Your circumstances aren't getting better. Right. So now, what is your faith? What right. what is it that's going to carry you? And, and if we have a foundation of faith going forward or going through it, you know, as we, as we're heading into it, if we have a foundation that is firm because we know who God is, we understand his character, we're able to rest in his character. Then as we go through that stuff, it, can it buffet and storms assail? Yes. You know, that, that absolutely is, is real, but it can't ultimately collapse us. It can't overwhelm us because the foundation is sure. When Jesus talks about building on, on rock or sand, what he's talking about is knowing and doing his word. He's very specific about that. And with the, the one who hears and does these, these teachings of mine, they're building on a firm foundation, a solid rock. If we don't, if we just have the religion, and he's speaking primarily to religious people, as he says it, if we have the trappings of faith, but not actually a trust in him, if our hope is in anything other than Christ, if our hope is in the preacher, if our hope is in the podcast, if our hope is in the church, Please don't put your hope you know, then we're going to be disappointed. And, and when the storms of life hit, it's going to collapse. And 
because it, it's ultimately a house of cards, if you will. And so when we when we put our faith in Christ alone, our, our hope in, in God's character, that what God does is ultimately good and right. And we're not looking at Romans 8 as some kind of an inspirational feel good. Yay, we're more than conquerors. But the understanding that you're going to go through junk, mm -hmm. but you're going to come out on the other side belonging to God, more shaped in the image of Christ by sharing and suffering with him. And as we do all of that, um, it's not about it's not ultimately about the doing. It's not ultimately uh, it's not ultimately about what we get out of it. Uh, uh, it's ultimately about God, his character and, and our relationship to him. And um, not surprisingly, that's exactly what we're looking at in Numbers 26 with this new generation. They're they're getting ready uh, now to to they've, they've left the wilderness behind. They're, that's you know so now our, we're ready to change the title. Of yeah, our series. series has been in the wilderness. Now we're coming out of the wilderness, and so uh, for the next ten chapters, God is preparing them just as He did with the previous generation at the beginning. We spent ten chapters. Everything's good, and God's preparing them, building uh, their whole existence around Him. Well, now that He's reestablishing that, and so we have this census that that we just saw. Um, in, in Numbers 26, uh, where he goes through, counts the tribes, counts the clans, counts the, you know, all the, the, the men who are of military age, uh, recounts the, the, Levites, the Levites again, but they're not included in the regular census because they don't have part of the inheritance. He talks about the inheritance uh, and God's, um, God's manner of justice that, you know, seems logical, right? Where that uh, you give bigger land to bigger number tribe. Mm -hmm. Okay, that seems pretty good. But you distribute that land by lot. So God will determine uh, by the casting of lots as, as you go through it. Um, and it is it is equitable. Um, not that everything is the same, but it, it's, it's intended by God to be just and equitable as he's determined it to be. Uh, it is the passing on of the legacy of the, the family name being being portrayed here. And so all of the lands that are given to these tribes and clans are um, to stay with those tribes and clans. So the, these are um, going to be a, a heritage from the Lord, a legacy. And they are the fulfillment or part of the fulfillment of God's promises through the covenant he made with Abraham and uh, then continued that with uh, Isaac and Jacob and unto today. And so as he has given his word to bless his people, he also gave his word to the previous generation that they would die in the wilderness, right. you know, because of their rebellion. And so as God um, gives his word of blessing, he stands by it. When he gives his word of, of condemnation, he stands by it. So whether blessing or cursing, God is faithful to his word. And that was what we see in this whole second census picture. It, it's one of the, the tent poles for the whole structure of, of how uh, the book of Numbers lays out. And now we're going to see uh, some you know, the next chapter will be kind of a, I guess you can call it a case law situation. Well, here's here's a certain situation that comes up uh, that seems to be an exception. Well, how are we going to handle this? Yeah. And, you know, then they'll um, they'll go in, they'll uh, do battle in a couple of chapters um, and wipe out the Midianites who deceived them in chapter 25. And then uh, as they're progressing through here, God's going to be establishing for them in the next few chapters or not establishing, but but reaffirming or reestablishing um, basic tenets of the law. This is how people set apart to me live. 
preparing them again, just as he did at the beginning. Here's how you are mine. Here's how you live because you're mine. And now let's go. He's doing that same thing again here. Here's the, the, the counting of this, uh, of, of this people establishing that it's slightly less. It's essentially the same number, but slightly less than it was. So there is a consequence. There's a loss in, in sinfulness. But at the same time, God's faithfulness doesn't change. He, he, his, uh, his covenant promises are always going to be kept because that's who he is. Well, and you said, and I think you said this on Sunday too, that, that uh, it's kind of the tentpole for this chapter, but is it not also just kind of the tentpole of the Christian faith? <laughs> you know, that God keeps yeah. his promises and, and there's, a, there's this obviously isn't the only one, but this is an instance of him proving that, of, of Absolutely. showing that. So we can rely yeah. on that even as we jump forward to the gospel where we can believe what, because Jesus is God, what he says is what he means. And you know, and it's not an accident that right. two thirds of our Bible is, is old Testament right. or you know, 66 books, right. 39 of that is old Testament. Right. So however many words, blah, blah, blah. I don't care about Sounds that. Sounds like math. But, but the, yeah, not doing math. <laughs> this is not your math podcast, but, but what we see is the preponderance of our scripture is establishing God's character from Genesis all the way through Malachi, we're seeing, before we ever get to the New Testament, to the New Covenant, we're seeing who Which is God is. what everyone is. always wants to focus well, on. Well, that's right. And, 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 Andy, and Andy Stanley famously talked about, you know, unhitching from the Old Testament. He certainly wasn't the first, and he, and he certainly won't be the last. Um, but, you know, because it's been assigned to him, you know, he's, he's taken on that, that mantle. But again, when, when we detach ourselves from what God has inspired for us, then we're going to miss out on what he's got these, for us. These seem like foundational things to Christianity. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> we're only in book four right. of, the, of the entire Bible. Right. right? So, you can believe what God says because that's what it is. And, and he's established through. this pattern. Right. You know, so, so we see it through Genesis. In Genesis, the genealogies really set up the structure of it. And then in Exodus, it's the, the movement that, that is the, the bulk of that structure. Uh, it's not all of it, but as God is, is delivering, he's established covenants in Genesis. So, mm -hmm. you know, from 12, reiterating 15, we see, uh, see the testing of that in, in 22 with, with uh, uh, Abraham and Isaac. And, and all of these things are, are bringing together a story. The, like the book of Genesis ends with the people of Israel in, in prospering in Egypt. They go from famine into <laughs> Egypt and they prosper under Joseph. Uh, and then Joseph dies. Well, then skip ahead 400 years and we get to Exodus and, and, and God's pulling them out of there. Right. And then, you know, from there, like the next day, God starts a book of Leviticus. So, right. then you, so now I've got you out of here. We're at the foot of Mount Sinai. I give you the law. This is what holy people set apart for me looks like. So you're not my people because you keep this. And again, he keeps demonstrating over and over that, that God's, relationship to his people is built on his faithfulness, his covenant, not on specifically and thankfully, mercifully, not on his people's ability to keep that covenant because they keep failing over and over again. Uh, in fact, when Joshua will, will charge them at the end of his book, uh, here's, you know, the covenant with God. And they're like, yes, well, we'll no, you won't. <laughs> and he says, you're not able to keep this covenant. Right. Oh, but we will. Okay, these these stones are going to bear witness against right. you because you, this is 
if you're going to be God's people, then live like God's people. And guess what? They don't keep it. They right. don't live like God's people, which, which sounds a lot like us. Honestly, oh, right. So. Which makes when you, again, the connection, the parallels between the New Testament, and the Old Testament, when you look at that and you know that there's no way you can keep that covenant, makes you all the more thankful for the new covenant that came with Christ. Right. Exactly. And, and I don't think, I don't think we can really understand the new covenant. Right. Until we get a handle on the old, right. old covenant. And like, let's be honest, this isn't easy stuff to read. And like, if we weren't going through this sermon series, I, I've read numbers before. And I remember a couple of years ago when I was doing it, I texted you. I'm like, why do I need to know this? <laughs> I think I still have that because <laughs> I never really text. Because I'm like, what's a cubit? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's not the easiest stuff in the world to read and digest okay. when you're when you're seeing all these numbers and and. Whether they messed up here, okay, now they're these people died. Now they're going forward. Now they're right. gonna, well, it's why, not the easiest why, stuff. Why the, such gruesome stories? Right, it's not right? the easiest stuff in the world to digest, and so you just want to get through it. But when you take the time to break it apart like this, you see. And why we've got it's some so bloodshed coming up right. ahead here. That it's like, wow, this is not what we want. This right. Is, it's you know, not the so feel good. This is know. not something the preacher looks forward to preaching on, on Sunday morning. That you know, that's uh, that's when you you know you. You want to have a little crowd control and, you know, get too many people so you have them leave by preaching. It's better than Leviticus, I'll say. It's not as necessary. Were you here for Leviticus when we did that? That was when we just started coming when we got there. Okay. Yeah. And you stayed anyway. Uh, but again, <laughs> all, of it, to jump into. all of it becomes more exciting when we actually see what God's saying. And mm -hmm. so I've had a couple of people saying, well, how in the world can you preach this? You know, how can you get the gospel out of these things? Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> you know, a couple of some folks who are, are, are well versed in the Bible have said that. And a few that are new to the Bible is that uh, I'm just amazed how you, how you can keep getting this stuff out. I'm, like, I'm not getting it out. It's there. I'm, right. You know, it's just a matter of seeing it, paying attention to it. And because we have the rest of the book, you know, this is, you know, this is for our benefit. And Paul said these things that were written in the past were written for our benefit mm -hmm. today uh, in his day and in our day, because Christ was here present in these things but still as mystery still concealed and in the new testament he is revealed the gospel is explicit and, and revealed to us mm -hmm. and so as we now look back on it we have the book of hebrews to connect the dots we have you know we can see paul's letters talking about you know well you know balaam was this character and lot was this character and we could put these things together and we can see how this spins forward into it well, as we look at, at, at this idea that, you know, whether we're talking about blessing or cursing, God is faithful to his word. That little nugget, right, that, that seems like that's a pretty simple thing. It is amazing it to is. me. It, it, it is. There's so much that is <laughs> right, simple and right. yet, you know, difficult for us to swallow. And that's one of the one of the truisms that I think people in evangelical world too often uh, will drop. And so we focus on, we like to talk about God's faithfulness as it pertains to us getting what we want from God. Mm -hmm. God is good all the time, right? We, we hear that, see it on memes and t-shirts. God is good all the time. But we don't actually usually mean that. What we usually mean is God is good when things are going good for me, going well for me. That hurt me to say. Um, when things are going well for me. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna use this buzzword mm -hmm. as if it's an aspirational thing that if I say this enough, God will do good and prosper. It will manifest. It will manifest. Right. Uh, that's the mentality. And if we really want to take that 
at face value. That saying that that people it's not a biblical saying. It's a biblical principle, but it's not a, you know a, a verse. It's, a, it's a Sunday school saying, really. It's absolutely true and right. God is good all the time. God is good when my loved one dies. God is good when my child is hurt. Uh, and and w- when <laughs> when my baby vomits all over the car seat, as happened this morning. If Mar- I, went to the, I went to the gas station yesterday and I was pumping my gas and a couple was there and you could tell they were like on a road trip or something and they had their dog with them and the woman was outside of the car. There was like a dog bed. It just vomit gross. all over. Super gross. <laughs> God is good then. Right, yeah. When you know, when ISIS takes over our area and and people are beheaded for their faith, God is good then. God is always good. That that's behind it. That's what Job was saying, right? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Though he slay me, yet will I put my hope in him. And so this this picture of of what it means for God to be good, um we need to adjust ourselves to what actually is taught in scripture and what is actually experienced in reality. And we find then that, that those two things actually do match up. Our experience and the word of God do match up. The problem is that we so often ignore the word of God and then compare our experience to something that we've made up in our minds or that we, uh, you know, we get from the world and then we, uh, we foist that onto God's word, having not actually read it or having read it, but not studied it. So we don't actually pay attention to the context and what's being said. What we're seeing here in this new generation is, you know, why, man, why do we have to go through all these names? Well, we find that these names, in fact, you know, uh, a line of these names is going to come up in the next chapter as we deal with Zelophehad's daughters, which I think if I hadn't had another son, I would probably name them Zelophehad. And the daughter's names are even, even better. There's five of them, but anyway, that's next week. Um, one of them's Noah, which is always, always interesting. I think a chick named Noah. It happened then too that you know you get you the, said it, not me. Interaction of girls' names and boys' names that you know, like Tony, Tony, Tony. But anyhow, as we are looking at, I, I knew you'd like that. Uh, as we are looking that's at, that's the first time I really laughed today. So thank you. That's good. That's that. good. We need some, especially <laughs> when you're actually drinking your your grapefruit. Yeah, right. That. You know what? He wants <laughs> sparkling water all over the computer. <laughs> Yeah. So as we're seeing these, this new census, the names matter for a variety of reasons in establishing historicity and establishing the covenant promises. And again, the part of the reason that the names do matter is because it is an illustration of God keeping these covenant promises through the generations, through these, through the legacies here, all the way back to the 12 tribes. So here we are you know, multiple, many generations, centuries down the road here, and God is still keeping the names of the original 12 tribes mm-hmm. alive through this keeping of covenant promises. And, and we see that, that he's, he's faithful to his people, right? So he, he loves his people, and he repeatedly calls Israel his treasured possession. That's something for us to remember in the New Testament as well, because we are precious to him. Not just randomly, everybody's God's child. and every, God created us all in his image. And he loves the world that he created enough to send a redeemer to redeem some to be his children. Mm-hmm. So not everyone finds mercy. Not everyone wants mercy. Right. And, and so we can reasonably see how this works. 
if God chooses me and I respond to God, it's because he has chosen me. He's, he's made right. this happen in, inside of me. So when we see that we belong to him as his children, um, we're no longer outsiders. Our identity changes in Christ. So we are now for the first time, without getting too far into the sidetrack that I'm already halfway down, uh, for the first time we become free moral agents. Our, our will, our so-called free will is bound over to sin from the time we're conceived. We're, you know, David said, I was in, in sin, my mother conceived me. I was, I was born in sin, I was conceived in sin in my mother's womb. And yet God has desired truth in the inner parts. So this picture of our free will that we seem to so bent on worshiping, it just doesn't work because we are already slaves to sin mm -hmm. while we think we're free. By coming to Christ, we become slaves of Christ, which is freedom. It's a freedom in that slavery. Bonds, bond servants is one translation. Uh, John MacArthur doesn't like that translation. But you know, the, this picture of belonging to him is, he says, you're not just slaves anymore, but friends, because I'm telling you what's going on here. And, and slaves don't know the master's work. You're in this with me. Ephesians refers to us as children adopted by him. So we have the same legal standing as the only begotten son. God has set us right with him. So the Lord has chosen us to be his people, and he remains always faithful. He gives that uh, he gives the covenant promises to those that he's chosen. He holds them as his treasured possession. He describes Israel as the apple of his eye. Whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. And that's how he feels about his, his chosen people in Christ as well. And so because of that, he's faithful to his promise, promises. All of the covenant promises that he's made to his people, he holds to. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a good thing. And we saw that with Balaam when Balaam was trying to, to bring a curse against God's people uh, to make some money. Um, God didn't let him do that. So the, he, God intervenes. It wasn't going to matter. Well, Balaam could have spoken whatever he wanted to speak. It's not going to make any difference because God still blesses those whom he blesses. <clears throat> God's not bound by some pagan prophet's curse. But he did use that to illustrate when I say my people are blessed, they're blessed. Right. That you can take it to the bank, this is done. So he keeps his, his covenant promises for his chosen people, and yet he remains faithful to his holy standard. Israel doesn't get a pass because they're his chosen people. Mm -hmm. They don't, and, and we as Christ followers, we don't get a pass to just, hey, do whatever you want, you're saved. So, hey, you know, and, and this comes up in Romans 6. If, if my sin brings out God's mercy, if it highlights how good God is in showing me mercy, then shouldn't I just keep on sinning so God can be praised more? And Paul basically, you know, gives him a head slap verbally and says, of course not. My editorial adding is, of course not, knuckleheads, what's wrong with you? The, this standard of who God is, his holiness, his righteousness has to be held uh in trust, right? And so we have to, we have to, as God's holy people, if we're going to belong to God, we need to be a holy people because he's a holy God. So right. he says, and, and Peter says this in, in the New Testament as well, quoting the Old Testament, be holy because I'm holy. There is no other option. Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. Okay. Well, that's a big problem for us. Because if we're created to be with God, but our sin separates us from God because we can't do this, and I can't make it right with my good deeds because I can't be good enough. Experience proves that. I don't even need the scripture to know that. Right. 
uh, nobody has to beat me over the head with the Bible to realize that I'm a wretched sinner. I just have to stop trying to lie to myself right. and, and be honest, and I know it. So he sticks to his holy standard. Therefore, because he is a good judge, a holy father, he has to judge sin. So when God declares judgment on sin, it sticks. We leave that out of our preaching of the gospel and our believing of the gospel far too often. We want to talk about God is love and Jesus is, you know, God's grace and love and mercy and Christ. And this is great. and It's awesome. And, you know, a loving God wouldn't send anybody to hell, right? So because Jesus died, we're all good. We're all saved. This universalist mentality. But that is precisely the opposite of what the scripture teaches. And if that's the case, then if because Jesus died, all bets are off. Right. Then God isn't necessarily a good judge. Right. Right. Because a holy people has to live like a holy people. If he's declaring us holy and we have thumbed our nose at his standard, then he's not doing his job as a holy God. So when he declares that the wages of sin is death and all of us have sinned, therefore we deserve death, that is the penalty, period. Somebody's paying that penalty. Either I'm paying that penalty for my sin or someone pays that penalty for me because the justice has to be done. So Jesus pays that penalty for me and God remains faithful to his judgments so that all of us receive either justice and we pay for our crimes or we receive mercy and he pays for our crimes. One way or another, God is faithful to his righteous judgments. And because he's faithful to his loving character and his sovereign purpose, he loved us enough that he sent his son, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the earth, to come and die in our place, to take our sin away. And so this Old Testament census is a key to seeing the understanding of the foundation, I should say, of the gospel. Good job squeezing all that in there. <laughs> well, we'll stop there for today. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time because I don't have time to say all of our traditional outro stuff. You know, Although she is very fast. You know where to find so. us. Oh, no, I didn't stop recording. Oh, no. What's wrong?